Yeah. So uh, we're just so super stoked to have our man Johnny Dovercourt here hanging with us tonight. Thank you so, so much for being here, my friend. We greatly appreciate it. So Oh, I really appreciate the invite. It's going to be a good hang. I know it. Yeah, yeah awesome. So we're just going to be playing some Canadian tunes. Uh, this show is called Canadian as Fuck. This is episode number 34 featuring the one and only Johnny Dovercourt. We're going to get things going because we got so much great music to get to, so many amazing stories, and we want to talk with Johnny about his book, too. So well, let's get want, things going. Want... Dimitri, check one, two, check one, two. Dimitri, do you want okay? a land acknowledgement? Uh, that's what I was just yes. about to ask you for, my friend. <laughs> well, I'll give you a land acknowledgement. I'll oh, give you, you a give land, me that land acknowledgement. acknowledgement. Okay. We here at Canadian as Fuck acknowledge that the land in which we're meeting is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. Canadian as Fuck also acknowledges that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Dimitri started writing this book uh, called... Any night of the week. Reading, so, reading, 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 reading. Yeah. John Dover wrote it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, reading, 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 reading. You know what I mean? Greg's I'm, been I'm drinking. No, I just finished work literally like 20 minutes ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I wish I wish I could drink on the job. At the yeah. place where the booze is. That's correct. Yes, they don't let us do that. Um, Why not? So, uh, Dimitri told me about this book. And I jumped all over it, and I've literally been swimming in the seas of love in this book. It is so fucking good. It really, truly is. I'm not blowing smoke at you, my friend. This this book really, truly is just wonderful. Uh, I have skipped around it a little bit, so I'm not going to be as versed in mm-hmm. it as Dimitri is. Uh, I only got it literally just when you and I touched base. Uh, essentially, I started reading it as much as I possibly can uh, throughout a busy schedule and family and all of that good stuff. So I just finished the... Uh, the um, chapter on a band that we actually started this program with, and we'll uh, we'll tell you all about that in just a mm. second. Episode episode number one, actually, the very first song that we played on this program was by the great King Cobb Steely. That's how we no started. Shit. That's that's how yeah. we started Canadian as fuck out. So, uh, probably gonna hear from them again tonight because they're one of my picks. So. We are going to get uh, our man, Johnny, to introduce the first song. It's actually a Martha and the Muffins tune. So, uh, Johnny, let's get you to do this one, my friend, and then uh, we'll take it away, you know, play, some, play this tune, and then we'll have some fun after that. Yeah, um, Martha and the Muffins was one of the bands that got the profile in uh, any night of the week, and they were an awesome interview. They were so nice. Mark and Martha were so generous, and I got to go to their house and hang out with them and their cat, and they told me all these stories. They dished a lot of band drama. It was awesome. Like, the story of their band, I swear, should be a Netflix series. And uh, I think Martha and the Muffins are, like, one of the real great Canadian bands. They're, like, our equivalent of Talking Heads. I feel like they're due to have a show, a song in Stranger Things. Like, Echo Beach should be in a a Netflix show and have them blow up at at that international level. But I'm not playing Echo Beach, which is probably the song everyone knows them for, for the best. This song is actually from their third album called This Is The Ice Age, which came out in 1981. After they had tr- parted ways with their label and the original band had broken up, and they, they started working with Daniel Lanois, uh, the producer, uh, who obviously went on to YouTube fame like only four years later. And he sort of tested out a lot of his production styles on this record, which yeah. is a really amazing, super ahead of its time. Just got nominated for the Polaris Heritage Prize. 
Um, I think it's one of the great Canadian al- Canadian albums, if not one of the great albums of it's all time. It's a fantastic time. record, yeah. But yeah, the one thing the, that you well, the one thing that one thing that you bring up in that chapter is that leaving leaving Virgin helps help save the band. Totally. It was, like, <laughs> you know, it was like, the best thing that happened to them. Yeah. That's like they went to a very small, like little like Toronto label, like current. Yeah. And then and then like they just they became more creative than ever before. You know? So and that wouldn't have happened if they had stayed in Virgin, which was pressuring them to put out an album every year. Yeah, and that would be, you know, like I'm trying to decide would that be like the like the beginning of season two, you know, of the show of the uh, of the Martin the Muffin Netflix uh, series, like the sudden after the cliffhanger ending of season one, the sudden like tur- unexpected turnaround. Yeah, and like Canadian indie labels had re- didn't always have the easiest time, so that's also like was such a win for them. Um, but yeah, this record is so ahead of its time. Like it sounds like a could, 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 it sounds like it could come out today. I definitely like some of the stuff, uh, like someone pointed out that this song I'm about to play kind of sounds like Stereo Lab, like stuff that like that was 10 or coming 10 or 15 years later. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. Uh, yeah, I think in my book, someone said it's like a time machine, which is like one of my, like the fact that you can jump around. That's one of the things I really like about it. So let's go back to 1981 in Toronto. Uh, imagine you're looking at the Bank of Montreal Tower, as seen on the cover of This is the Ice Age on Canadian as fuck radio on Revolution Radio. This is Martha and the Muppins with Swimming. Let's call it swimming 
So, this is Canadian as fuck on Revolution Radio, and you just heard Red Rubber Ball on, on uh, by the Diodes from 1977. Uh, they get a mention in the book Any Night of the Week by Johnny Dovercourt, who is joining us. Nope, number of times. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, they got it. I'm they, shocked. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, like, what what was it? Was it? Um, I think it was like either Now Magazine or Exclaim or or a publication like that had people vote in, vote in for like the greatest Toronto band ever, and the Diodes won. Oh, so, yeah, they beat Rush really? and every yeah, the, the Diodes won, and it's like wow, that's pretty cool, you know. Interesting, but um. One, but the thing is, like, they might not get a Martha and the, Martha and the Muffins sized, uh, like, uh, profile in this book. But I had to ask. I had to ask about. I had to ask Johnny about it because uh, they um, they were brutally attacked by bouncers at the Colonial Tavern after refusing to turn down the volume during a set of theirs, and uh, so they went ahead and opened up their own bar with their own performance venue and it and it was called the crash and burn it was located near both the both the oca uh, ontario college of art and the beverly tavern which was very friendly towards the punk scene and uh and i was and the fascinating thing about it is that the crash and burn only lasted two months but it is a mythic it is a mythic venue in the history of punk music in this city and uh and uh, yeah so had, how did you go about johnny learning like doing an archaeological dig of sorts on the crash and burn well a lot of the um there actually is a lot one of the reasons i didn't really uh, i didn't really have a chance to interview or profile many of the original um like first wave toronto punk bands like the diodes or the wild tones or the poles um, because there was already a lot written about them, and there's a whole there's a whole book called Treat Me Like Dirt, um, which came out in 2009, which is written by Liz Worth, uh, which is a really super in depth oral history of that whole era. So really, uh, that was one of the eras that was really easy to write about because I could really kind of get the the basic stories from the secondary sources like that. Uh, my friend Don Pyle also uh, put out a book called Trouble in the Camera Club. Um, which uh, came out in, I think, 2011, uh, which has some writing, but a lot of his amazing photos. There's a whole, like, three-hour documentary about that era called The Last Fogo Jumped Again. Yeah. So I felt like I didn't really want to reach, I didn't want to retread well-trodden ground in some ways, but it was obviously, like, the punk period was super important, but it was kind of, like, sort of, for me, it was sort of a step, a stepping stone to kind of, like, the next thing. Um but it wasn't like I didn't really want to. It was one of the areas I didn't want to do a deep dive in because people could read 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 about it in detail elsewhere, and and there was a lot of stuff that hadn't been written about that I really wanted to give more attention to. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah. So go go see the the last Pogo Jump. If you want to know more about First Wave of Toronto Punk, pick up Tribute Like Dirt, watch Last Pogo Jumps again, find out Trebled Macabre Club. I'm sure there's at least one or two other books I'm forgetting about. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I think that I said that I, one of the things I said in, in my, uh, in any night of the week is that 
there weren't many great albums that came out of the of the first wave of Toronto punk. There's a lot of great singles. So someone someone needs to put them all on wax, like make like a definitive comp, get the figure out the rights um, and and the permissions and all that, and and get it out there because uh, it's still kind of hard to find all these even all these tracks. You know, the diodes uh, diodes stuff is. I think the thing about the Dios is they were all well, them and Teenage Head were like the most acceptable, uh, yeah. not even musically, but just even in terms of like you could find their records, <laughs> you could buy their records in stores, you yeah. can still you can actually find you, them, yeah, you can actually find them all in streaming. I think the Wild Tone stuff is mostly still on there, but a lot of the other stuff is, uh, you know, bands like The Ugly only put out a few singles and, and trying to find a BFG record, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh yeah. Well, I want exactly. like after. Yeah, like you, you mentioned, you mentioned the band The Curse in there. In, oh, in the Curse, the of course. And yeah. I can't find anything by The Curse, no. you know. No. Yeah, it's like it's all YouTube rips, you know. Like you can find Shoeshine Boy on YouTube. Like someone ripped it from a seven inch or something. Wow, wow, that's not cool. Johnny. Johnny, before we move on, we're going to uh, get to a track that uh, Derek has picked for us. Love you, all right. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, like, as far as um, we're going to get into the writing stuff, obviously, because that's, yeah. why, that's why we're here. So, as far as music goes, so you, you're a musician. When did that? Uh, when did that kind of all start for you? Like, when did you? What's the, first off? What's the the your instrument of choice? What What do you mostly play? Uh, I played bass when I was playing in bands. I'm kind of retired as, as a musician right now. I, mean, I work as a presenter, and and I've been doing a lot of writing. So. Uh, I kind of got to the point where mu- playing music kind of stopped being fun. <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't have any brain power left to put towards making my own music. And that happens to a lot of people who end up, who start out as musicians and end up working in the music field. So I think it's like, it's not uncommon, but I, uh, um, for years I played bass and then I played a bit of guitar. I even played drums in one friend's band. I even played keyboards in another friend's band. So, wow. um, a bit of a, like playing the cycle of rock instruments, but um, yeah, I started I started playing in basement bands in the in high school. This is the late '80s now. I mean, like the sort of uh, in the kind of when alt- I think even before indie was a thing, when it was still alternative, um, and um, really you know like started starting out with punk, being into punk rock and like early alternative stuff, and then really heavily getting in, into uh, early indie rock like Sonic Youth and Husker Du and Dinosaur Jr. and bands like that. Um, that was really my jam. And um, in the early 90s, I was in a band called The Tuesday Weld, which I think was actually sort of a Tuesday Weld was the name of the band. I think we actually may, maybe it may have been one of the first shoegaze bands in Canada. And okay. we were only around, only around for two years, but... Um, we uh, we got some good gigs. We opened for King Cosgeli once. We played with Eric Tripp. We opened. We actually the biggest gig we did. We opened for a band called Archers of Loaf. Um, okay, and that was uh, sort of very mid nineties. And then yeah, I could ask. Uh, I was in a lot of bands that only lasted like two to four years and <laughs> would break up. Usually, right, right. like in the big dramatic friend breakups and <laughs> acrimonious. Yeah. I'll never speak to you again. I'm right. taking my aunt back. Man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where did, where did you grow up? So Tony? funny. Now. I grew up in Scarborough. Oh, well, where about Scarborough? Scarborough? Uh, near Kingston and Morningside. Fuck yeah. West Hill. Exactly where you are. Yeah. Really? Birch Mountain. West Hill yeah. Collegiate. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You went to West Hill? 
No, I did not go oh. to West Hill. I went to Birchmount. Oh. I lived beside oh. West Hill Collegiate. Oh, no way. Literally oh. right beside it. No, I, I lived near West Hill, but I went to Woburn. Oh, oh that's great. Yeah, I, was well. in, I was in the I was in the gifted program. No, so you're you kidding. Yeah, you so and the bare, saw, you and the bare naked ladies. Yeah, I saw one of their first gigs. Really, they were wow. they were a few years a few years older than me, and I saw them. One of their first gigs was at one of our spirit high school spirit assemblies. Wow! And, and I remember like uh, Stephen Page like played a Casio keyboard with his head, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and my my best friend Dave, who I started my first band with. Um, we had a big like debate about it. debate about it afterwards. I was like, that was pretty funny. They were good. That was they were fun. They were good. And he's like, they were horrible. He was like, they'll he never like, be was, nothing. No, he was like, they were a smarmy, self satisfied. You know, yeah. like, wow. So um, just, you know, between we had a love hate relationship with them for sure. Between West Hill and Woburn, there's some amazing talent that's come out of those two schools. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Agent exactly. Court High as well too. Yeah, Agent mm-hmm. uh, Socrates came out of Agent Court. Yeah, my man, D, my man DJ Matt C came out of Agent Court. My favorite. My he's my no dance way. Music. Magic. Yeah, he's my dance music hero. He's absolutely. Wow. He's from Agent Court. Yeah. So I just yeah, have so, a, so much talent, Yeah. I just have a question about the book. Yeah. Um, any night of the week is subtitled "A DIY History of Toronto Music, 1957 to 2001." Would yeah. you just be able to explain to the people at home? Well, everybody is at home here, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like if the people of, if you could explain to the people of the internet, what you mean by DIY. Mm. DIY is do it yourself. And, you know, uh, at home, that means like building your own deck, but in music, that means uh, going outside the music industry. And usually it means artists sort of creating their own infrastructure for themselves, usually because there kind of isn't, a music industry supporting them or to support them. Uh, so uh, you talk, you'll, you'll hear a lot about DIY shows, which is usually when a band or group of bands get together and maybe rent out a hall or take over an abandoned gallery or uh, even just a, even like a rundown bar and put on their own shows. They're not working with a promoter. They're not uh, working with a club booker. They're promoting the show themselves. Um, there's also lots of, uh, you know, DIY record labels, DIY record labels, like people, bands will put out their own records, uh, um, press their own records, sell their own records, um, put the, stock them in shops. And obviously, you know, a lot of, um, you know, sort of big indie labels started out as DIY labels, like Sonic Onion Records in Hamilton was started by the guys from the band Tristan Psionic very much in the nineties. That became a big thing. Emerge Records, which was started by the people from the band Superchunk is now like a huge indie label that books bands like Arcade Fire and mm-hmm. uh, everyone sort of goes back to Discord Records being the, uh, the uh, label yeah. started in DC by the people from Minor Threat and then Fugazi. So in terms of the, how it relates to the book, um, uh, it's sort of a bit of a double entendre. Like it's a DIY history because it's like, it's my history. It's my view of things. I'm, I'm sort of saying like, this is not the definitive history. Like I basically put this story together myself. Um, and so there's like that aspect to it, but there's also this sort of like uh, embrace of uh, like a big story is about how artists in Toronto were forced to be DIY because there wasn't a lot of industry support here, even though Toronto is the home of the Canadian music industry for a long time, for many decades, the Canadian music industry was really clueless 
about what to do with, with yeah. like original or talented or unclassifiable artists. It was kind of amazing. Actually, the more I dug into it, I was like, it would be, be this kind of like, uh, almost this became like this cliche or not a cliche, but this predictable storyline. Like they got together, they started a great band, they developed a great sound. They developed a big following on Queen Street. Everyone came to see them play. And then no label would sign them and they had to put out their own records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, really? Like it was yeah. sort of became, kind of, you know, obviously as, they, as time went on, that got better, but especially like in the eighties, it was, uh, or it was pretty, you know, bands like Fifth Column who like a label just wouldn't touch them. Uh, yeah. it was, um, it was kind of shocking in retrospect, uh, how, I mean, there was, and I don't want to like, cut down the industry because obviously there's you know obviously you mentioned current current and there were indie like some indie labels that were taking chances on bands um but they but for a long time they were pretty few and far between few and far between in toronto yeah yeah for sure awesome johnny uh, you're awesome you're such a wealth of knowledge i just love it okay so <laughs> we're going to get uh, our man derek uh, to talk all about Adelaide. Oh, yeah, Derek, sorry, I upstaged your no, intro. No, no, fuck, no, don't, Demetri does it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now there's two of us. I know. Right. Okay, so I'm going to do a little, I'm going to do a little preamble, and I'm pretty sure you have something to say about the band that I'm going to introduce. <laughs> I know maybe? that, I know that Dimitri does. So I'm going to do my thing. It is May 1985, and everybody wanted to rule the world. Tears for Fears played with idle eyes at Massey Hall. Uh, um, this is what this is. So I have this thing. It's a bit of a divergence from the music that I was listening to at the time. Uh, uh, but I had a great time, and I've always loved Massey Hall, and I always will. Um, uh, I saw Gordon Lightfoot played in Massey Hall, and that fucking blew my mind. But uh, idolize who I didn't actually know at the time I was going, I was, you know, with a girl and she's like, I'm going to go see tears for fears. And I was like, I'm going to come with you. Um, but idolize was, was playing. And, and I was like, Holy shit. I know like one, I know this song and two, I like this song yeah. and, uh, didn't admit it to anybody I knew. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So this is what I went and listened to. And I was I was blown away. Like every like all of the all the other songs that they played on the set, and I remember it still to this day. But all the other songs that they played on that set, I was just riveted the whole time. I'm like, your playing is amazing. Your like your your songs your songsmanship is 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 fantastic, right? Like just across the board, all the music that came off that stage was great. And then Tears for Fears came on and I could have given a shit. <laughs> Wow. Well, the washrooms are like just down the hall. I know. There, I was, I was in higher <laughs> money. It depends on where you are in Massey Hall, too. Right? Anyway. Yeah, that's kind true. of a walk. Yeah, it's it is kind a of a walk. walk for sure. Yeah, but I was, I was never well, a Tears cool. for Fears fan. But Idolize played, and I was really, really stoked on them. Already. So eighty-five. Does anybody have anything to say on my choice? Uh, no. I can't remember what idolize sound like, but I'm sure within five seconds, I'm like, oh yeah, this dude can't you'll know exactly you'll what it sounds recognize like. Yeah, you'll know. You'll know. It's very, 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 very Canadian. So without further ado, Canadian as fuck, right here, Revolution Radio, episode 34. This is Idolize with Tokyo Rose. 
Yes. That's one of Johnny's picks. Johnny. Oh, you, Johnny. Give us that, that bad boy. Beauty. You just heard Jamaican funk Canadian style by Michi Me and L.A. Love from 1991 on Canadian as fuck here on a Revolution Radio episode number 34. We love Mishimi here. We do love yeah. Mishimi. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like, what? For, like, Well, it was several months ago where we played one of her latest songs called Bad Bad Gyal Bubble. Bad Gyal. <laughs> bad it's gyal. awful. I can't pull it off. No, no. It's yeah, way to don't, go to don't me. Try. <laughs> we, we played Ragadeth. We played Ragadeth as oh, well. Oh, we Ragadeth. Seriously. Yeah, that was one of those, um, I mean, fun connections when I was putting the book together was was the like for me being like a you know, indie rock nerd and a, especially a post-punk nerd was all like the post-punk hip-hop connections i discovered that like the guys from sturm group started ragadeth wow. yeah. like that yeah. blew my mind yeah like uh, walter Sobsack. um one of the uh so sturm group being one of the like awesome really dark go- dark gothy mid-80s yeah. toronto bands that played the rivoli a lot and uh and yeah he was one of those co-founders of ragadeth um and then that nick smash who was in rent boys inc another sort of yeah. band from that same early to mid 80s toronto post-punk scene the guy who signed the dream warriors or helped sign the dream warriors in the uk um really which was like yeah totally uh, that, blew, that blew my mind because like nick sturm is in like three consecutive chapters he's a nick returning- smash yeah, Nick Smash. Yeah. Nick, yeah. So Nick Smash is like in three consecutive chapters, and then he keeps popping up as a fig, as a little figure in various in various points in Toronto music history. And then yeah. he goes like, and then he's like, and then he's like legit like executive at a label, <laughs> like you know. Yeah, so. and and that was such a crazy story that they moved to England in '83. And the band kind of fell apart, fell apart, but a bunch of them stayed there and actually like became British, like became Brits. Like you talk to Nick Smash now, he's actually got a British accent, just an inflection of one, you know, like he's wow. lived there, like lived there longer than he lived in Canada. So, um, but anyway, Mishy Me, as a sideline, yeah, Mishy Me, that song is just such a banger and such a great, I just, you know, feel like it's such a great, I, I wanted to pick a song with Canadian in the title to be on this show, but I, you know, I didn't want it to be the Canadian Railroad tri- ra- Canadian Railroad trilogy. No offense yeah, to Boris yeah. Lightfoot, but yeah. it's making fun Canadian style. And we, like, ha- we have we have finished an episode of this show with the Canadian Railroad trilogy. Yeah, Fit, fitting, right? Like, <laughs> it's just that song is just such an expression of uh, you know just a proud. Uh, Caribbean Canadian identity and just like a statement of like of intent and that we're here and it's just like so fun and so confident um, again it's like a 31 32 year old song still sounds totally fresh I mean I'm biased I feel like the early 90s was 
the best era for hip hop. So like yeah. or, or, I might yeah, be betraying or, my like, generation like, Xness. Yeah. Any music whatsoever. Yeah. Your generation Xness, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Generation Xness. Yeah. She's yeah. got like she has such a powerful voice too. Like yeah. she yeah. like she it still doesn't does. matter. She still does. And and like it doesn't matter what she's on. She's like she's like literally punched through like everything and, and like really sits like the production production wise, she really sits on top of it. But like just just her mm-hmm. as like a vocal presence is like like bar none in in any uh any any other music i've ever heard like you know like queen latifah is really great and mm-hmm. uh little kim is really great but like mishy me has like this whole persona to her that she's just she whenever she's rapping is like she you you know this woman takes absolutely no bullshit yeah she just reaches through the speakers just, just yeah. like like live or or, or listening at home, you, she's yeah. just that that intent in what she's doing. It's really great. But since we're on the since we're on the topic of hip hop, like one thing that I one thing that I found fascinating was the legacy of somebody on, named Ron Nelson who used to show mm-hmm. he used to host a show called Fantastic he's, Voyage. He's on legendary, the radio. yeah, and yeah. Like just and just like how how many people that are in this book were introduced to hip hop and got the guts to try it out themselves because of what they heard on Ron Nelson's show. And you can create yeah. a, and it's, it just seems like you can have a domino effect. If you just try to, if you just try to like shine a light on something, then a lot of other people can see it. And then a scene happens, you know? And, and Ron is a great example of like how like hip hop people had to be DIY. Like he was the first, probably one of the first, if not the first person to play hip hop on the radio in Canada. And he was like the only guy doing it. Um, so he became the sort of like, he attracted everyone that was interested in hip hop. And so people would start contact from outside the city would start contacting him about coming to play here. No one was promoting hip hop shows. So he was like, well, I guess I'm going to be the first person to put on hip hop events as well. Wow. And he and and he didn't, you know, ask. He didn't try and get booked at the Horseshoe Tavern. He booked his own gigs at the concert hall at a yeah. huge place, at the capacity, you place. know, fifteen hundred capacity club that he has rented, and um, wow. and brought everything in himself, and wow. and had these through these parties in the mid eighties that were just com- that are still absolutely legendary. Brilliant stuff. I love it. I, I love how you guys know yeah. so much shit. It, yeah. it blows my, no, honestly, like I say to Dimitri all the time, I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I hate that he knows more than me, but I love that he knows more than me. Derek. But you Derek. got to see, uh, you got to see idle eyes open for tears for fear. <laughs> there you go. And Derek, Derek, you deserve a, ta- you deserve a seat yeah. at this table, just like yeah. everybody else. No, no, yeah. you know, I know. I, 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 I take that. I take okay. that. But I love that whenever I bring something up, Dimitri goes, and, and, and like I, I fucking love it. And now we got him, and he's like, and, and I'm like, oh fuck, this is great. So because I learned, I learned but, but Tokyo Rose is Tokyo Rose is a jam, and definitely one of those songs. That should the baseline is awesome. Whoever right. said that, that right? Is that you, Derek? And um, it is one of those boom 97.3 jams but you're like oh yeah this song yeah like, and that just, as a basis i appreciate it and it's I'm through the whole play, song i'm, I'm gonna yeah play, it uh, is 
I'm going to play a jam, a Canadian jam from Ottawa a number of years. I didn't get to finish. Fantastic. Can I just interject my Tears for Fear story before that, Eric, for you? Go. I saw I saw Tears for Fears as well, but not as a, not as cool a time as '85 when they were touring songs from the Big Chair at as cool a venue as Matthew Hall. I saw them four years later, also on a date with my high school girlfriend at Maple Leaf Garden, which was about one tenth full. Oh, it was super empty when they were touring songs from the no no no. Sowing the Seeds of Love, or whatever yeah, yeah, that yeah. album was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seeds of Love. Yeah. But the best thing about it was the opening act was Debbie Harry. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, shit. That would have been that's awesome. That's pretty kick-ass. Oh, I, I honestly yeah. thought that Alita Adams would have been opening every every show on that tour. Yeah. But... Now she just played part of the... She just played a, did a set within the headlining set, like a mini set within it of her own okay. show. Yeah, but no, Debbie Wait. Harry... That's wow. amazing. Cool. And yeah. now it's a grocery store. And yeah, no um, yeah, and now is, and yeah. now and now Craig G is taking us to Ottawa. No, yeah, I'm not yes, taking I you to, to Ottawa. No. No, actually I'm not uh no, I'm not taking you to Ottawa. I'm actually taking you back to Guelph. Um oh. with uh an incredible band that I absolutely adore and I know Johnny does too. Saw these guys a couple of times live, especially at Edgefest. My old pal Sam Sino actually played uh, drums for these guys that I went to music college with. So shout out to Sam Sino. Anyways, this is King Cop Steely. The track is Below the Stars. Hang yeah, out with is. Johnny Dovercourt, Canadian as fuck, Revolution Radio.
Raise the curtains from your deep provincial eyes Speak up, for I am certain that it's no disguise The soldiers stopping traffic Couldn't keep these wheels at bay Their guns smoked, then the sun broke and we hauled away And mothers of the country Take two flags and make a sail We'll sail the big dominion This song is falling And did you get my message On the people's radio I wrote it in Alberta Across the prairie spine And I'd rather jump the border The trail from east to west And get the booking agent To find another band And mothers of the country Take two flags and make a sail We'll sail the big dominion This song is falling I built my rocket in a shed I'm gonna launch it at the sun I'm gonna launch it from my path Oh, could I get this? It's my northern wish Meanwhile, in the forest In a par, the amount of trees The ink will crack and dry all up But the compass will swing anyways And we don't need mathematics and we don't need submarine To tell how far that the land does go Till it hits the shore And mothers of the country Take two flags and make a sail We'll sail the big dominion This song is falling I built my rocket in a shed Gonna launch it at the sun Gonna launch it from my path Oh, could I get this? It's my northern wish Wake up, raise the curtains From your deep provincial eyes Speak out, for I am certain This song is over
What a sweet piece of music that is. Hello. Hello. DJ Cat. Our friend DJ Cat in the back. Just so you know, John. She wanted to say hi. So, yeah. She's a regular contributor here. Yeah. So, uh, though, that was a, but that's a very sweet piece of music called Northern Wind. I love the real stuff. I fucking love the real status. Oh, yeah. I love that freaking band. They are so good. Yeah. They're, and like, they're, well, they get, and they have a little profile. In this book by called Any Night of the Week, a DIY history of Toronto music, 1957 to 2001. There it written, is. Written by, well, okay, is he on that side of your screen? Because he's kind of. He's, under, <laughs> he's, underneath, <laughs> you know, he's underneath me on my screen. Yeah, so. he's underneath. Well, he's diagonal for me. But anyway. Okay, but there it, you go. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, yeah but it's written he, by that. We call man. that Kitty Corner. Yeah, so the, it's written by Johnny Dovercourt, <laughs> who is our guest on Canadian as fuck this Emo week. He certainly is. And, uh, and yeah, I I saw I saw the Rio Statics live at the Horseshoe decades later than I should have. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I saw them I saw them about like what set six years ago at the Horseshoe, and they were, and I had loved them for a long time. And uh, this that the song you heard, Northern Wish, is from the 1991 album Melville, which mm-hmm. came out on the Intrepid label another one of those DIY labels that Johnny was talking about earlier on in this program. And um, mm-hmm. they were a major Intrepid. label back. They had major label distribution. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But and they was, were, yeah, but, the, but they were, yeah, they were started by Graham stairs. Yeah. Formerly of the band popular spies. And the weird that's thing right. about popular spies was that's who the Rio statics open for, for way back at their first gig. At the edge in October of 1980. I know, 80, it's amazing. 1980. You know. They must have been kids when that when that. They happened. were in high school. I think they were like, yeah, 16 or something. Wow. Yeah. Like wow. And, uh, and the, yeah, and the thing, yeah, the edge was this, the edge was this little place at Church and Gerard. And was that a Church and Gerard? Uh, yeah, yeah, Trish and Gerard, yeah. close, close, yeah. To, uh, close to Ryerson, or sorry, Toronto yeah, Metropolitan that's University. To- that's to- totally to- t- t- Toronto Metropolitan University territory, and yeah. uh, and uh, the thing, and the thing is, it has it looms large in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it does. Not, not only was it the first place that the Rio Statics played, but it gave a it it uh, it was Toronto's introduction of the police. You know. No, it was a horseshoe, actually. Sorry. Oh, oh, shit. Okay. Well, I do know that the police did play there, yeah. but they did. So it was the second time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, like, and and Joy Division were going to play there. They were. I know. Hmm. Well, um, I wanted to ask you: Does anybody out there, Johnny? You'll probably remember it. Does anybody remember the Ultrasound Show Bar? Of course. Now, was that Dan Aykroyd's club? Uh, I think he was I had an ownership stake in it. Okay, I think it was like yeah, where, X-rays. Where was it, Johnny? Uh, you know, there's a Chevello Spa at the corner of Queen and Duncan. Oh, and so it was Queen and Duncan area. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, right, okay. right in the corner of Queen and Duncan. So the right, Chevello yeah, so is the uh, is the the space became Chevello. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, mm. all right. Wow. That's where my okay. my partner gets her haircut. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to the ultrasound. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Somewhere, yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember popping in there for a beer once, 
and somebody was a, a, a local Toronto band was playing in Fort. I can't remember who it was, but I remember popping in for a beer, and then literally like a year later, it had shut down and become yeah. That was one of those like sudden, you know, those sort of kind of was like. I mean, we've talked a lot about venue closures now, especially in the last it was five years, five to ten years, it became more common. But it always happened. Like clubs always kind of came and went, and it was, at the time it was always shocking. Like, oh no! Like, yeah. Sneaky D stopped booking bands. Like, the music yeah, scene's yeah. gonna die. <laughs> you know, but there would always be something else to kind of fill the void, right? Um, yeah. yeah. You see, this and is then the thing. If, if, yeah. And Yvonne, who booked the ultrasound, like, you know, went a year, I think a year later, went to book the reverb or uh, the big box, which okay. is actually a, a big a step up for Yvonne. So. Yeah. Yvonne, okay, yeah. That name sounds familiar <laughs> for sure. There's probably a million people. Like, there was a. Dimitri, I'm sorry I contradicted you about the uh, police factoid. Oh, you were don't only off by. Don't you're only you feel off bad by about that. A few mo- you're only off by a few months. The uh, the, Gary, like the a Gary's- bug. No, the Gary's I, got booted, uh, booted out of the horseshoe a month later and then I'll, moved to the edge. Oh, I'll yes, survive. I'll survive. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. The Gary's you talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, we do have a lot of things to talk about in regards to clubs opening and closing. And we will get so to that much. on the uh, the other side. There's two clubs in particular uh, that I want to talk to you about, Johnny. Uh, yeah. Derek, Derek now Speaking has. Speaking of a closing classic. a club, Derek's got a classic. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Did you close, did you close down a club? I, I've closed down many a club. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I hung out with Martin Streak, okay? Like, let's yeah, that's right. Yeah, we hung out with Streak, yeah. We closed <laughs> many a club. You stayed until the club opened again, basically. Yes, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that thing in the sky the same? Comfort zone oh, is closing? Shit. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I ran, I, so I didn't write this in my, in my write-up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway. Uh, I ran into uh, Mr. Mr. Jojo Bennett uh outside oh, nice. outside of aristotle's on queen street which was mm. right beside the bamboo room oh yeah and i had just fresh cut i had a uh probably at that time probably about a six and a half inch pompadour off the top of my head mm. and i and i heard hey rude boy and i turned around and there's jojo bennett and i was like what's up and he's like we're playing a show this weekend at the bamboo next door. Come by. And I was like, all right. So I did. Good and, call. I, and I saw the satellites play oh, at the fucking nice. bamboo room, um, which was uh, pretty fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, well done. Uh, yeah. Like for, for like Toronto, Toronto reggae re- legends, man, like let's go. Like, the satellites were the ba- it. The bamboo is going to be one of the places, actually, that I want to talk to Johnny about because I have massive, massive memories of the bamboo. So, yeah. So let me. I, me, ne- I never got to see the satellites. Down. I never got to see the satellites. I'm really sad really? about that. But humble brag, Fergus Hamilton once told me he liked my singing voice. Wow. At a at a Beach Boys tribute night. Wow. <laughs> What's oh, what song did you do? You got to tell us what song you did. Oh. um... Oh my gosh! It's like the fifth song on Pet Sounds. Um, Not God only knows. No, 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 no! It's like uh, it's one of those like. God only knows <laughs> oh, it's gonna now. come to me. Um, uh, I came along when he broke your heart. That's when you needed someone. I'm waiting for um, the day. That's the one. I'm waiting for the day. Nice, nice. 
That's the nice. one. You sang that? That's well, fucking amazing. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking awesome, yeah. man. That's well, cool. Man. That's cool. Okay, that's a hard just, jam. Your cool yeah, meter just went way the got, fuck up, dude. And he like, got seriously. complimented. And he got, and he got complimented on <laughs> it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's pretty good. That's no one ever complimented my singing voice. Everyone's just Especially like, in Hamilton. You scream too much. <laughs> Nobody compliments anything in Hamilton. <laughs> no. no. Nice. Well, they do now because they're just like, everyone move to, please move to Hamilton and invest in our tax base. Yeah. Now exactly, that yeah. Hamilton's all like Candy City now. Yes. 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 Please move here. Everything yeah, is nice. great. <laughs> and it doesn't smell anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, but, Derek, but Derek has got the satellites for us now. I That's do. Right. I do yeah. have the satellites. satellites. Dimitri, I'm just I'm gonna read my thing. I'm gonna read my <laughs> thing. I'm gonna read, <laughs> I'm gonna read it as again, Derek. Oh my no, god. No, 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 don't worry about it. No, honestly, I am so you should have seen John, the last you show we had. Dude, you are literally the guest. You, you can come back next week if you, you can, want. You can say whatever you, you want. Can, you can stay as long as you want. You can come back next week if you want to. So, but if we continue all talking, good. Craig, you're you're you're. Oh no! Uh, don't worry. I'll be the guy that says, mad. "All right," and coming up next, uh, Dimitri's already been that guy. I'll pull out my Tony Monaco impersonation. Coming up Joe next Joe on Sea World Three Dot Five. Um, Jojo Bennett and Fergus Hamilton there it uh, is. were there the it is, first members of the satellites met while touring with reggae singer. Afrim, uh, uh, the pair began performing together, mixing Bennett's instrumentals with Hamilton's um, uh, smooth alto voice to create a unique satellite sound. The band started as a, uh, started a, as a teaching group uh, who opened the Satellite Music School on a pay-what-you-can basis to spread their influence in 1981. Uh, the satellites consisted of various types of students from uh, the school who wanted uh, a sense of live live performing in 1982 the satellites had melded into a collaboration of musicians from uh exceptionally talented beginners to experienced pros uh some of whom still perform they became very well known for their enthusiastic live performances which i can attest to um uh which initiated their extensive touring across canada and the united states the satellites are the only Canadian band to have ever been invited to play at Jamaica's Sunsplash, playing before 25,000 people. That is true, yeah. And they gave an excellent performance at the World Skiing Championship in British Columbia. As a two-time as two-time uh, Juno Award winners, the Satellites are known as Canada's... I fuck this up every time I read things. Canada's longest-standing reggae group with the longest the longest standing residency in the world famous orbit room also okay. owned by a lovely gentleman by the name of Alex Lifeson which is mm. now gone unfortunately sadly so that's but I hear he's I hear he's about. I hear he's gonna I hear he's actually looking into into opening up something else uh, somewhere else but let's hope without further ado, let's hope he opens up something else because Alex Lifeson is fucking God. Um, <laughs> I love him too. Right here on revolution radio. Canadian is fuck episode 34. This is give me some kind of sign by the satellites.
Side to know that I knew you had been had before you withdrew me in half. Come, easy on me, Queen of Languages, please. Come, easy on me, Queen of Languages, please. That was freaking awesome. Love it. It was. Johnny, good call, my friend. Let us Isn't that song it. amazing? Yeah, honestly, it was super cool. It actually had some really nice, like, sort of early 80s elements, kind of like almost like, uh, what was I thinking of? Um, 
Anyway, sorry. I'll let you do your thing, and I'll think of what I'm thinking of. If that That's all good. Grammatical sense. Uh, for those who are wondering what you just heard, you just heard a song by Destroyer from their 2000 album, Thief, which was Destroyer's third album. Um, if you're more of a recent convert to Destroyer, you might think of them as being a kind of new wavy, new order-ish kind of band who sings songs about Times Square. Sorry, that's my Dan Behar impression. Sorry, Dan. Hope you're not listening. But um, <laughs> uh, they, um, uh, it's really hard to pin down what Destroyer is all about. They're, I, I actually feel like Dan Behar, a.k.a. Destroyer, is kind of Canada's Bowie. He's sort of wow. like, yeah, he's sort of like, that's a cool. That's yeah, he's sort of, I, yeah, like he's a, has a lot of albums. They're all kind of different. He just does his own thing. Um, but sort of like Bowie and okay. So actually I have to plug my friend, um, Michael Barkley's book, hearts on fire. Another Michael Canadian Barkley music. book. Okay. Yes. 2000 Canadian music. Um, six years of change to music, 2005. Which is you know, noticeably thicker than any night of the week. <laughs> three times as three times as dense. Um, it's an amazing read. Very, 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 very packed packed with information. Information overload was Nardwar and the Human Serviette's review of it on the on the spine. But nice. um, Michael compared in the Destroyer chapter, which is actually also the new pornographers and yeah. Keegan and Sarah and the organ wow. um, chapter. He, he's, he compares Destroyer to Bowie, but also Morrissey and Pavement and someone else I'm forgetting right now. Um, so he just sort of is this really interesting character, very like very witty songwriter, very kind of like... I wouldn't say bitter. I, ambivalent is my sort of word for destroyer. It's just sort of like he, he expresses this kind of like ambivalence about even being in music. And that's what this album Thief is about. There's these lines where it's like, um, we made ourselves fit for public consumption. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. so smart and kind of just a little bit, just a little bitter and a little um, caustic almost. Um, and this album is really, uh, it's funny because like Michael actually doesn't give Thief much due. Michael says that the album after was this, after it called Street Hearts is, is a masterpiece. But this was the one I really got in, in this album, Thief, really hard. Um, I, so my story with Destroyer is um, I'd heard him on Brave New Ways. Do you guys know Brave New Ways? Remember that, yep. that show on, on mm-hmm. CBC? Um, you know, they play all kinds of crazy, weird stuff after hours on CBC. Um, Patty Schmidt was the, was the host and, uh, she was so cool and would talk about the, all these underground artists and destroyer were kind of like a pave in the, in the early days. They were kind of like pavement or smog, just kind of like lo-fi, you know, tape recorded, like really kind of almost atonal, um, sort of lo-fi pop. Um, and then I heard this record and I'm like, this is really different. Um, almost sort of like sort of a little glam, a little Bowie, a little, you know, um, yeah. and I bought this record probably uh, maybe a rotate or soundscapes or something. I just listened to it like nonstop when it came out. And then um, around that same time, early like in 2000, I went to Vancouver to visit a friend and I met Dan Behar at a concert. Um, I went with my friends to, to this place called Miss T's Cabaret, which Michael mentioned in his book, which was this 
uh, like this basement bar that was um, like very queer heavy, lots of drag shows. And uh, this band Canned Ham were playing. Um, Canned Ham featured uh, uh, one of the guys from the band Slow. That's not Sloan, but Slow. Slow. S-L-O-W, Slow. Slow. Yeah. From Vancouver, legendary 80s, like Vancouver post-punk band. And um, I don't know how I, I met Dan Behar at the show. I don't know how we started talking. I feel like we have kind of the same style. So it's almost like we were at the, I remember we were at the pool table and we just started talking to each other. And I'm like, are you Destroyer? And he's like, yeah. And, I'm like, I'm like, I to you. And, he, and he's like, and he's like, no way. I'm like, I listen to your stuff, your record all the time. And he's like, that's cool. And then I like wrote my email on a piece of paper and gave it to him. If you're coming to Toronto, let me know if you want to play a show. And then he did. And this was in the early days of Wavelength, which is the first, literally our first year of Wavelength, which is the concert series I start, which I still run 22 years later. Um, and so, uh, you know, he emailed, emailed me from his Hotmail address or whatever, like destroyer at hotmail.com or whatever it was. And he was wow. coming to town that September because the destroyer new one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had forgotten this until I read Michael's book that he was coming to town in that September because someone else from the new pornographers had a movie in TIFF okay. uh, called, called Low Self-Esteem Girl. So TIFF flew out the new pornographers to play at, at some party, TIFF party, because I think it was Blaine Thurier or one of the other members of new, the new pornographers had this film in TIFF because he's also a filmmaker. And so Dan was like, I'm gonna be in toronto can i do a solo show at your thing <laughs> so he did so we booked destroyer played at wavelength in september 2000 solo holy shit and has never played for us ever since <laughs> i got Damn i didn't that. i didn't i didn't know about destroyer until this year because uh because labyrinthitis was shortlisted for uh, the polaris promise and and labyrinthitis is fucking amazing like yeah it is I, I still listen i i i i think that they're actually one of those the destroyer is actually one of those acts that gets better and better like maybe up and down but at least at least since kaput like kaput the 2011 album was this whole kind of reinvention of their sound like that's probably their best album but i'd say labyrinthitis is probably the best album since kaput it's it's constant evolution yeah no i ha- i hadn't known about destroyer until Dimitri said anything. <laughs> because right? we play because yeah, like we we pl- we played a track from Labyrinthitis on this show. Yeah, yeah, we 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 we're one of the things about Canadian as fuck is we absolutely adore the Polaris Prize. So yeah, uh, okay, yeah, there you anything go. Anything Polaris well, Prize, at least Dimitri does. It, so. um, <laughs> and, but Dimitri, Dimitri, Dimitri played it, and and I was like, holy fuck, this is this is this is great. Like this is right? this is amazing. Yeah. So I went back and I listened to a whole bunch of stuff, and I really, really, really adore uh, people with zero consistency. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. the quote of the night. I right? really, really adore people with zero consistency. Zero consistency. The, the, like the consistency that that Destroyer has is that it's a constant evolution. There's always something. There's yeah. something evolved. There's something yeah. happening. There's something hatching. There's something growing with that music, and I I really really dig on that. Right, and it's like the Bowie. It's the Bowie thing. 
Yeah, right. Like you, you know, you don't you you don't do the same shtick. You you, no. you, you do a different. You you got to do a different shtick, right? Like you can't yeah. do the same thing that you did last year because that's last year. This is this year. You yeah. got to have a new gig. And the Canadian equivalent would be Neil Young, right? But he's not that kind of a troubadour. He's more of a sort of chameleonic. I mean, Neil Neil's chameleonic as well, but like. Um, yeah, this sort of chameleonic thing, like trying to reinvent yourself every every record, but there is this kind of like Dan Behar persona, this kind of like it shines existen- existentialist poet, chain smoking, and not that he's I don't even know if he smokes, but you picture of just he drinking should. a drinking a whiskey, drinking a drinking a whiskey, and just kind of shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. like you're never gonna get so- this, but. But here it is. Yeah, here it is. But but I will deign to come off my mountain. And- <laughs> so, <laughs> if I may, my Vancouver uh, man, he's from Vancouver, and they of course he fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> Only so. I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of Vancouver. How do you guys feel about Vancouver? I'm not a fan of Vancouver, but I love I Stanley love, Park. I love yeah, Stanley but I, Park. I love Destroyer. I, I love Destroyer because he captures my ambivalence about Vancouver. And even right. he even says in Michael's book, he's like, I'll never be able to romanticize Vancouver. He's like, my, I love the people, but I don't like the city. No, wow. my my buddy, my buddy Matt. We went to Vancouver one year. Sorry, this is going to be a really short story, Dimitri, because I know you're looking at me going. Shh. Oh, um, <laughs> my buddy, my we went out. Uh, my, a friend of mine from Toronto had moved to Vancouver, and he was running a thing. Um, and we went out there and I came out to Vancouver and I was like, Hey, I'm here. What are we doing? And he's like, Oh my God, we're going out. And he's, he's a lovely human being. And he took me to the gayest club I have ever been in my whole life. Awesome. And, and I don't think I've seen my wiener that many times in my life. <laughs> But that is my analogy of Vancouver. Is is that is the the gayest club I've ever been in. And I've been I've been to Woody's, I've been to like I've been to like all these clubs in Toronto and they're 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 fabulous. Like uh Cruise and Tangos, Woody's, like fucking Remington's. I've been to fucking Remington's for fuck's sakes. But like this club Convento Rico is my favorite. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Formerly the Apocalypse Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck, you're good. <laughs> That's why I say yeah. we got a lot of clubs to talk about. So we got a lot of clubs. To let's talk. Oh, let's, let's get up. back into the music. Shut the fuck up. Okay, well, let's get <laughs> back into the music. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Demetri. I love you, Derek. I fucking Jesus. love you. All right. <sighs> so I'm just, I'm seriously kidding. So actually, let's thong. talk about. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen. Good for you. Congratulations. Go, we are talking go, all go. about this book right here. It's called Any Night of the Week. It's by Any Johnny Night Dovercourt. The there it is. There it is. Joining Johnny Strife. <laughs> <laughs> Mirror image, my friend. Mirror image. Wow, that was a fail. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to keep things going. We are going to get Dimitri to talk about a band that is. We're going to get. There it goes. And it's it's gone out of frame. Uh, let's get Dimitri to talk about a band that I've completely started to fucking adore as soon as oh, i started God, writing yeah. this book they are all over this book so to me yeah take it away yeah like uh so uh on page 124 there's uh begins like a little profile 
of a band called Fifth Column, a 15-year institution in Toronto, and one of the only all-women bands in Toronto's club scene uh, during the during the 80s and early 90s. Um, the song we're about to hear is from their final album called 36C, which came out on May 10, 1994, and had a splashy video. But yeah, you got to look up some Fifth Column, even though you're not really going to find very much on on um, a streaming service at all. A streaming no. service like Tidal or not, or not Spotify. You know? Honestly, not even not even Apple. And a- I have to say, Apple is actually pretty. Da- and Apple is pretty damn good about like sussing stuff. They kind of they have a. I think they have a team. Well, actually, I know they have a team of people that go through YouTube. Well, let me just oh, make a plea. We got to add this. 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 But yeah, we need to. We need to get Apple. No, we need what app. we need. What we need is a DIY out, uh, label out there to go and dig up some fifth column and put out a proper release. You know, so like it's like somebody like if somebody like uh, Arts and Crafts or Dine Alone wanted to do it. <clears throat> God damn! Please, thank you. Or you fueled know? by ramen. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so I can uh, talk to that. I can talk to that later. I can speak to that later. From what I, I or, or really even even Rhino, come on. So, um, True. yeah, but uh, well, anyway, Johnny, just before we move on, Demetri, I have to say, Johnny, I'm seriously impressed, my friend. You've gone from collective arts to low and brow. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it's the most rocking old year. If he pulls out a Cronenberg, this fucking interview is over. How long is uh, the beer, how long is the beer good in the back of your fridge for? Years. <laughs> Open or not? If it's a low and brow, about sixteen years. Yeah. <laughs> my friend Derek, my friend Derek, a Waveland co-founder, came over in the spring, and I was like, I can't remember what he he came over with like a I don't know a twelve twenty four like an insane amount of random beers, and I'm like twelve and twenty four varying like like large. Yeah, it was more than more than the three or four we needed. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and in the very go. back of the twelve of the two four pack was a low brow. So there you go. That's it's a low and brow. So it's like, all good. Like all this good. low and brow has been waiting since April for its moment. <laughs> well, it's still done. good. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. So, yeah. It's a very patient beer. Yeah. Sorry, Dimitri. Go ahead. So remember. So remember how before, before, <laughs> just before this beer conversation, just before this beer conversation, I'm going to mute myself. We were talking about wieners a lot, so let's go. So let's go and yeah. talk about a band that is is credited with inventing queer core, and, in, and was a serious influence on the riot girl movement For on real. Canadian as fuck on Revolution Radio. This is Fifth Column with Donna. <laughs> Thank you. 
Twisting my melon, man. You know he talks so hit, man. He's twisting my melon, man. It's okay, Derek. I love you.
the cops! Call the fucking cops! Fuck. <laughs> okay. I, I love that song. I fucking love that song. So I caught a bit I caught a bit of shit for this song. I caught a Johnny gave me shit. No, no, no and shit. I, I veto I, I, I put a little caveat in our in our chat thing that I was like, you can't fucking veto the song. Because Gaz lives in fucking Oakville. Mm. So he's an immigrant. So he's there an you immigrant. Guys- you guys have your own Canton system, basically. Basically, we're it's, we. It's not. It's not maple. No. 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 <laughs> um, no, no, no. Wait a minute. And- no. 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 <laughs> As the guy from Revolution Radio Canada, I can assure you, we stand by maple. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. Really that really that guy right. That guy right there. No, he's gonna get me. At, it's okay. I love you still, Derek. It's okay. <laughs> But I just, I just, I figured, I figured I'd throw this one in there because, uh, because I, I do know Gaz, and he does live in Canada, and he had married a Canadian lady. Uh, That's so, so cool! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hung out with him a, a, a few years ago, like maybe like five years back, five, six years ago. Um, he's a, he's a lovely chap. So many fucking stories out of that dude. Holy oh, yeah. cow. Oh, like, dude, for sure. Anybody that oh. dude, anybody that used to hang out at the Hacienda probably right? has a story or two. Yeah. Story or two. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Played okay. played played Rock and Rio with Guns N' Roses. Quick trivia question. So what other uh like British music people are nationalized Canadians? Norman Blake oh. from Teenage Fan Club. Was Dolores? No. I guess Dolores was. Uh, Dolores yeah, Dolores lived. Dolores lived in. Uh, at, she had a. Well, she had a place. She had a place. Here. She had a place. She had a place. She had a place here. British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't tell the uh, Irish that. No. Oh, that's a good one. Or the Welsh. No. Well, technically they are, <clears throat> and I'm Welsh. I can say that. Alan oh, Frew. So is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Frew. Alan Frew. Yes. So, I. I want to talk actually about something here. So, so I don't get to talk? Fine. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I've done enough already, apparently. Go ahead. So if I if I may, I'm actually going to quote you may. from a book that I've got in my iPhone here. A book. That, Is it called Any Night of the Week? Of? Any what night of the week, be? a DIY a of Toronto music, there it is. to two thousand and one. Okay, written so by the I'm lovely gonna... Johnny Dovercourt. Okay, that guy. So I'm going to quote. I'm going to, if if I may, uh, I'm going to quote from the book. So uh, this is literally straight from on my my iPhone. This is page seventeen. And I quote, at the start of 2017, Toronto lost seven of its dedicated music venues. In the space of three months, the Silver Dollar, the Central, Holy Oak, Hughes Room, the Hideout, shout out to the Good Brothers still to this day, as far as I'm concerned, some of the best club owners ever, uh, the Hoxton and Soy Bomb all closed their doors, most of them forever. The alarm bell was sounded in Toronto's local music community. Panel discussions were convened. Council meetings were flash mobbed. The vanishing venues crisis was a teeth grinding irony in a town trying to brand itself a music city and the home of the world's most popular music artists. That is the beginning of Any Night of the Week by Johnny Dovercourt. So, Johnny, I, I actually do have a very serious question 
Mm-hmm. So, and it's just kind of ironic that we're going through a municipal election tonight. It's almost mm-hmm. tonight, it's yeah. almost literally perfect, right? Has John Tory won? John Tory won? Yeah, he got reelected. Okay. But Andrea, Hor- <laughs> really? Andrea Horwath is the new mayor of Hamilton. The former, oh, cool. uh, the oh, former NDP really? leader is the new mayor of Hamilton. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, Canadian, uh, excuse me, Revolution Radio broadcasts out of Markham, so I'm going to have to see if Frank Scarpitti uh, got oh, re- yeah, elected. Probably, anyway, yeah. so, Johnny, <clears throat> this is a really serious question, so I'm going to yeah. just do a quick little back story. I, I, I'll make this as quick as I possibly can. So from the spring of 2000 until the spring of 2004, I not only started working at 102.1 The Edge, but I was also a salesperson at a music street on Queen Street West called Steve's Music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked I worked in the drum shop at Steve's Music. Now next door on the third floor, I believe, was Jake Gold's um, management offices on the third oh, floor okay. on, on Queen Street. So like literally... You could walk down and be like, oh, there's Thornley, there's Mishimi, there's, uh, you know, Cardinal Official, there's, like, it was just like a who's who, uh, there's the Watchman going upstairs. Like, it was literally every single Canadian artist that you could possibly think of was in this core. Not only did I work at Steve's Music, I worked across the road from the 360, the Rivoli, the Horseshoe, I was just down the road from the Cameron House. Uh, I was also down the road from a club that I absolutely adore, the Bamboo. Oh yeah! And I uh, so I worked I worked in that in that uh, vicinity in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Johnny, I can still to this day tell you the exact time when I knew that Queen Street West was going to change forever. Mm. I think it was around the fall of two thousand and three. I was upstairs in the drum shop. So and the, the, the drum shop was on the second floor of Steve's Music, and we looked onto Queen Street so we could see everything. It was beautiful. It's just an incredible place to work. I, I loved it. Basically, I learned how to drink alcohol at Steve's Music. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so uh, being on Queen That's Street, That's surprising. Right? So, cheers. Well, well, yeah, seriously. Yeah, cheers. Exactly. Cheers. Like one day I get a phone call from my Slide buddy it. Anthony of I uh, from my buddy Anthony who's a bouncer across the road at the horseshoe and he's like, "Ah, oh, you might want to come by tonight. There's a band that's debuting in Canada." I'm like, "Who's that?" He's like, "Ah, they're this five-piece band from New York called The Strokes." Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was that's what so this is why I love your book so much because I don't think people quite fully understand what Queen, Queen Street and the the do it yourself approach to a lot of this stuff actually meant to people. It really, mm. really meant a lot, especially okay. to me. And well, it well, back up. me up to this day. Back up. You you said there was a point where you knew that the the music was ending that's, on Queen Street. That's what I'm. Yeah. Sorry, if I may. So sorry. No, go. What I'm saying is, I was standing on the second floor of Steve's music with my buddy Jeff Zerba, who was the Zerbs. Uh, Zerbs. Yeah. Zerbs. I know How Jeff. I know Jeff. Okay. I know fucking Jeff, buddy. All right, small world. So I'm standing there, and across, I literally, directly, literally, directly across the road from Steve's music was the grand opening of Club Monaco. Mm. And I remember looking at Jeff, and I remember saying, "This is." I honestly, the hair on my arms is standing up right now. If you can't see it, uh, this is the end of Queen Street West as we know it. And Jeff was like, "You think so?" And I'm like, "Dude, 
This is, and you actually touch on this, Johnny. You actually touch on this, Johnny, in your book. Queen Street West has almost become like a glorified outdoor shopping mall. Like it's basically become (laughs) like, like, like Yorkville outdoors Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? So, my question to you is this: the downfall of Queen Street West is has been well documented, documented by you and 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 several others. What do you think it would take? for toronto to become whatever it is that john tory says we are music town north or whatever it is <laughs> uh music city what what like what would it is it getting rid of every single developer that is developing toronto is it getting rid of club monaco and all the big chains or is it even maybe something even smaller like what do you think that if if you were to, here's my question if you were to write an open letter to john tory and say, this is what the fuck you need to do to actually make your dream come true. Point A, point B, point C, point D, point E, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, what do after, you think? After he answers, I have, go. <laughs> well, I'm probably actually going to, because I, I've become such a policy nerd in the last year, I probably would like come up, write a really long, boring letter about like policy levers and, um, and uh, tax breaks and um but and, and other stuff like that but i think that um you know even though I'm, I'm a social democrat we can't unfortunately we can't really tell uh like uh, private businesses what to do we can regulate them but we can't you can't sort of force people to open venues and you can't force venues to stay in business if they want to close um the whole Music City thing is actually is actually a little um, passe now. Like Music City was just kind of a branding exercise that lots of cities went through, including Toronto. Um, uh, now uh, people have moved away from from the Music City thing towards music, recognizing that it's a music ecosystem. And I talk about I I think I um, like my thinking has evolved, especially since like I wrote this book a long time ago. Now you know it came out two and a half years ago. I wrote I started writing it in twenty fucking 15 you know so um and i'm actually I'm, I'm working on something of a sequel to the book that's actually not really a book it's actually going to be a report which sounds super boring but it's actually going to be something that'll be free and down downloadable from the wavelength website and sort of like the next phase like what's the future of venues because this a big story with a big sort of theme from any night of the week is the importance of venues right how yeah. small grassroots venues are where Absolutely, music scenes yes. develop right yeah, so, yeah. and then in the context of the pandemic, it's like, how do you protect these spaces? How do you keep them alive? You can't sort of like keep, you know, some places just do need to die. Unfortunately, that's part of the ecosystem. It's like things die and other things. Um, and, and they sort of like create the void for new things to come up. Um, but gentrification of the la- over the last 10 years has sort of caused, caused the sort of sort of polluted the water so that, Things will die, but the new things don't come along unless you kind of intervene. Um, But like to be to be actually more optimistic about things in recent years, you have seen new things happen, like in Toronto, like on Queen Street. There's a new venue on Queen Street that no one really knows about called the It's Okay Studio, which was uh, opened at Queen and Augusta, Um, and the city actually. Um, owned this space. It used to be a shoe store, and they and they gave it over to a nonprofit organization to open their own space. 
Um, it's not a perfect yeah. solution, but Actually, it's an example, it's an example of, some, of something really progressive that the city has been doing. I don't yeah. think John Tory gets should deserve any credit for that. The credit no, 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 no. that goes to the like to Mike Canner and the people in the music office. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm just go gonna, ahead, Dimitri. Yeah, there was just something um, that the that I saw in the Toronto Star just like a couple weeks ago, um, where they were talking about city-owned spaces, like um, uh, City Councilor Paula Fletcher said, like pointed mm-hmm. use this theater passer Mariah as an example that of a like because property taxes and everything and rents are so high, theater pass Mariah gets cheaper rent because the city owns the property. Yeah. So she so she says it's time to consider turning city-owned property into co-working spaces for artists of very disciplines to gather. And so, and um, Montreal does something similar. They offer numerous programs to support artists with the enthusiasm, um, including a program to subsidize Atelier d'Artiste, workshop yeah. space for artists of many disciplines. Um, they do something in the Europe. There's a program in the European Union that was put in during COVID. Um, it's... Yeah, it's there's there's things that can be done, but uh, I just wanted to poke my head in and, and say that yeah, like to your point about oh, city-owned property. Yeah, yeah no, and like you know, the, uh, John Tory is now going to have his strong mayor powers, right? So, like, I would love to see him actually um, boss around the parks department and tell them to make the space make it easier for people to get permits to put on music events. Actually, find try and find a. Um, a, a park to create a dedicated outdoor music venue. That's one thing Toronto doesn't have, right? Is a, is a dedicated out. Like, look at New York. Look at some the uh, Central Park summer stage. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing dedicated outdoor venue in a green space. Toronto actually doesn't have anything like that. Like in the a green closest, space, no. Yeah, like the closest we have is Harborfront, uh, which is fine, but it's you know, it's, but it's you know, not. It's not. A, it's 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 stone. Like it's, it's stone, like it's, right? Yeah. So, which is, you know, it's a courtyard. It's, it's nice. It's water. It's waterfront. It's nice, but yeah. there's like there's so um, there's so many green spaces in Toronto that don't get used for really much of anything besides ball games. Nothing wrong yeah. with the recreation. I'm glad people get there or getting their exercise. But imagine, like, look at look at Chicago. Look at uh, Grant Park and Millennium Park, and you know, like, there's. You know, there's space to have huge festivals like Lollapalooza on the waterfront. Um, Toronto is really lacking that. So um, yeah. I, I would love to see uh, John uh, John Tory fucking kick out, uh, if he has any power to do it, to kick out these assholes at Ontario Place that are turning that are turning it into... Dragging like, their fucking feet. Holy yeah, shit. Like, it is horrible what's happening there. Like, the... Um, the uh, um, corporate stranglehold of this public space is, but he's, a, but, he, but he's in but that's favor a of provincial, it. That's a provincial, uh, provincial piece of provincial land, right? So, but he, but he was there to cut the ribbon too. He was there. He was there yeah. to cut the fucking ribbon. Um, yeah, but, but that's what, but that's what mayors do. They just get sent. To, they, they, they get given things to read. They get ribbons to cut. Like, like paychecks to much, cash. There's too, there's too much focus on these figurehead positions, like mayors. Like, who matters is your local counselor who matters is who's chairing committees. Like those are the people you need to be speaking to. And those people are accessible. Like if you want to make change in your city, you need to be actually speaking to the people who can influence things. And yeah. so, so we've got a great venue. Um, so I live out, I live out in Roncesvilles 
and um, we've got a great venue. Uh, actually, High Park is yeah. is fucking. It's right there, yeah. and there's a stage that already exists yeah. that is not the, actually the used church. all of the fucking time. Yeah. Well, and they actually, and to their credit, Can Stage actually did start doing some concerts in the last two years. Finally, they did. Like they, they did, did. Well, after. Took, yeah. Yeah, it took a crisis, right? It took a crisis like pandemic plus, you know, affordability gentrification crisis to force people to say like, oh, look, here's here's an opportunity. But there was, um, there was so many years ago, there were so many people that moved into, say, like, quote unquote, the entertainment district. Right. Mm-hmm. Where places places like System Sound Bar, Joker, um, yeah. all like Limelight mm-hmm. and all this. Shit. Yeah. That's where all these places were. And they put yeah. up all these condos and they were like, oh, we live in the fucking entertainment oh. district. We're so great, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, the music's too fucking loud. Turn it the fuck oh, yeah. down. That's, that's exactly leave. what happened. And and basically yeah. uh, basically, most of Toronto said, you knew where the fuck you moved. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. an asshole. You knew you were yeah. going. Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. well, off. the music's too fucking loud. Deal but, with it or fuck and off and move, right? And it's, but the and problem it's not, is... But they can't, sorry, they can't do that anymore. Like, the noise bylaw has been reformed, right? Like, they can't do that yeah. anymore. It was mm-hmm. a horrible mistake at the time. And I got it. I sound like a politician myself. And, That's but okay. Like, we like hearing it. <laughs> one day I'll run for office, but... You should. Uh, <laughs> no. I, 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 I couldn't deal with being a counselor and just getting people like screaming at you on this all the time like that's, just, that's why that's why joe cressy quit because he just yeah. couldn't handle people just screaming at him all the time well you said you johnny you quote you 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 said i'm not gonna quote you um yeah. because i drank a bottle of wine um <laughs> well done we're proud of you thank you thank you um but you you had said like the 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 uh the the people of importance right we need to get to them and, and make them listen and, and, and change this and whatever. I'm paraphrasing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I believe the people that are important, the people of importance are us. Yeah, absolutely. People need, people need to show up at these venues. Yeah. People need to show yeah. up at these, at, at these grassroots places. Yeah. Now I'll, I absolutely. don't often, I don't often tote Drake at all. Because fuck, I don't care. It is what it is, man. It is he, what it is. He, listen, listen. He built. Drake, he did that Drake, venue out on Drake, the East End. History, mm-hmm. yeah. Drake is New Order. He is Factory Records. He is Tony mm-hmm. Wilson. He gave Toronto our hacienda. That's yeah. what Drake did. He well, did. Live, Na- Live Nation. I will Live give him Nation that. Did and Drake gave it his blessing. You know, he did. Right? But um, it, yeah, I haven't been there yet. But but um, you've got it's it's you've awesome. Got, I'm glad, you've got I'm glad it like exists because it was an important. Yeah, Drake has been fucking awesome at giving back to the city, and more and more uh, people at that level of pop- popularity need to be acting like that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to being like, oh, we need more music. Well, fucking make a place that we can do it. Yeah. Make yeah. a place. Make a place that fucking seventeen year old me. Yeah, wants to go fucking play, or seventeen-year-old Mishy Me wants to go fucking play. But the thing is, yeah. one thing that uh, one thing that um, well, that that Johnny you wrote about in the book is that when Queen Street started becoming mm-hmm. a music venue, um, and one and I think it was, and I think you quote, quoted Nick Smash when you said this, 
Um, he so he was living on the south side of Queen Street, and like the Beverly Tavern was on the north side, and like mm-hmm. and the apartments on the south side those cost nothing. Yeah, you know because like Queen Street was nothing then. You know. Yeah, and like and so and so it was a place where where kids could move for cheap and like just and just jam you know and like and like live on craft dinner and 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 shit and then and then they could go across the street and play you know mm-hmm. and the thing mm-hmm. is, and the thing is I'm and that doesn't that, exist now unless you're no. you, you can't live on Queen Street unless you're a rich kid no so like i'm yeah, thinking I mean, like or, or, I'm t- or, or even anywhere so in the city or anywhere Period. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking like if if it if it happens, it's going to be in some far flung corner of the city, like in Rexdale or Malton or like you know, or it's like you know, like if it's going to happen in Toronto at all, you know, like you, there's a lot of places to to jam on Geary Street. There mm-hmm. are there places yep. are there, you know, but like are there? But there's places? no venues. There's no venues. No, in no. Um, and um, and it's also very like real estate wise also very overpriced no it's it's grim like the real estate the real estate and affordability piece is in the city is super grim and it's like that across the whole country um you know i was talking to so i'm working on this report called reimagining music venues um with uh i'm actually working with a sociology prof at ut and we had a moment where we're like is it just all about being cheap like that's really what it is like that is the Thing that creates the cultural scene, it is well, yeah. It needs well, to be yeah, cheap. Because, like, it needs well, to be cheap. Like, it needs to be cheap. Well, yeah, like, well, you broke well, record. Well, yeah, because, like, you like when you talked about, well, like, well, when Yorkville happened, that was where all the students were able to live because it was cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, exactly. But it was with the fall, with the fall with, with Yorkville. That's what made Queen Street. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was like it was the, eco- the, the ecosystem thing, right? Like one, yeah, thing, it changed, like, right? Like it, you know, like a meteor hit, a meteor hit Yorkville and wiped it out, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the hippies went the way of the dinosaurs. Well, and, it got uh, it it got gentrified, right? They're like, oh, this is where yeah. everybody hangs out. Okay, we're gonna yeah. put mm, 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 here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was the first. It was like it was gentrification. It was so new that no one. It wasn't even a word for it, right? Like no, it wasn't even. Didn't even know it was happening until after it happened. Oh my gosh, Joni Mitchell. He didn't didn't know what they got till it was gone, right? Yeah, so, exactly. And yeah. that's exactly I didn't even mean to saying. do that. But yeah, that's, um, a, that's exactly what I was saying about standing on Queen Street and looking yeah. at the guys that I worked with and saying, "This is Queen Street's done. It's it's our our time is finished." And so I think what's, kind of so what's funny I... about this? Sorry, sorry, Craig. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. How dare you, guest speaker? <laughs> <laughs> Mute him right <laughs> fucking now. What a My terrible God. guest. He just talked over everyone. He just didn't let anyone finish their point. No, points. please do. Please do. What's funny is there's um I don't I can't remember if this made it into the book, but um uh Stephen Davy, who who was uh in the dishes and was a writer writer later a writer for now, he said that Queen Street died in nineteen eighty seven when Le Chateau opened. Really? Oh, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Really? yeah. I could I could see that because I 
I remember that. St- I remember Le Chateau. And it's really I funny. Think it was right, the I think it was right beside there, but Le Chateau is dead. Yeah, I think it was beside <laughs> Lush, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Or, my brother, my brother-in-law worked at Lush, actually. Yeah. Okay. Or so. it may have been when City uh, TV opened. I think it's like you know, every generation thinks they invented thinks they invented sex, right? And every generation has a moment where like my thing has died. My thing, my thing that I was attached to has been found out by the people I don't like, and yeah. and and that's and we get. But that's part of the part of the cycle, right? Is then Queen Street, Queen Street, the Queen Street we know and love just kind of gets pushed further west. Ah, the um, that's what I, the old man. That's what I've gotten for years and years and years, having been an ex well, yeah. CFNY. But like, you and, know, and that's kind of how, and that's kind of how it went for like twenty years. But then you kind of ran out of Queen Street. At some point, you run out of Queen Street. Yeah, yeah, at some point, is, at some point, you're just like that was my my joke with my friends. Like, how far west can it get pushed? Like, are we gonna get just get pushed all the way? past the end of the subway line yeah and um are we gonna all have to live on the other side of high park (laughs) to be west enders yeah well you you wrote in the book that like even even like the opening of the cameron house was kind of pushing it west Mm -hmm. you know that's Mm -hmm. right yeah because it was past the the what people knew of uh you know the cutoff of spadina Exactly. Yeah, of course. I Anything mean, past Medina was garbage. For me, if for me, I remember you know uh, Cameron House, Velvet Underground, Bovine Sex Club, Gypsy Co-op, The Hooch. Uh, yeah, you know, like Savage Garden. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Yeah, Johnny, you're gonna have to come on for part two, my friend. Literally. Speaking oh. of Bovine <laughs> Sex Club, yeah, did seriously. you know that they moved the bar? <clears throat> what? It fucked me up. They moved the bar. They didn't move the the location. So it's not. No, 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 it's still at the same place. It's still the at the same place. Area. But the bar is on the other side of the room. That's the fucked counter. up. The counter, the counter that where they the serve counter, the drinks. The counter you where saw, they serve the drinks. You saw, you, saw, you saw our friends the Scary Loud there. That's why, right, Derek? I did, saw, yes, the, I nice. did saw this friends the Scary Loud. Shout out, Scotty. Shout out, Scotty Comer. Woot, woot. All right. So we got to keep things going. Let's, we let's do. do this. We've got one set of music left to play, but we still do have more johnny Dovercourt to take care of so let's play a couple of tunes and then we'll come back and have a chat so uh that cat that is uh has written this book what's it called again dimitri any night of the week there it is let on dimitri screen. answer it's on screen let him talk and then if if johnny puts his copy on the screen then we got three copies on screen thank god you said copy whoop 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 <laughs> oh, the show's going off the rails here, folks. My publisher will be very happy. All right, mm-hmm. fantastic. Look at okay, that. So, um, we are going to get. Uh, can we ask our friend Johnny Dovercourt to talk about Bonnie Trash? <gasps> really? So, um, that's a great segue. Um, so, I. I feel like we've been moving through the eras, through the decades over the course of these two hours. And now we're in 2022. Um, this is a brand new record that hasn't even come out yet. Um, there's been some singles dropped. The Bonnie Trash are a band from Guelph, Ontario. And they are playing uh, the Wavelength Conscious Series this Friday for their album release. Um, there's actually plug. one of my shameless plug um <laughs> you took the words right in my mouth this is one of my favorite albums of the year it's a really heavy record it's a really dark record but also really heavy be- for sure, be- yeah. beautiful record um bonnie trash was started by two twin sisters 
um, Emalia and Serafina Borsalon Vitor, who are Italian Canadians um, from Guelph, who made this album um, that was inspired by interviewing their, their nona, their grandmother, who had all these amazing ghost stories about growing up in Italy um, and how there is a curse placed upon some of her ancestors. So it's like this, there's this whole, this whole creepy ghost story element to this record. Musically, it's like, imagine Black Sabbath, Godspeed You Black Emperor, Joy Division, and My Bloody Valentine, mix them all up together with Susie Sue singing. And you got Bonnie Thrash. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> sold, right? I right. So I'm, I'm sold. I think, Dimit- I think Dimitri might have. I think Dimitri just ruined your friend's bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, so, Jenny. Uh, <laughs> so, what's the venue? So, they're playing a, a brand new venue because that's what we do at Waveland. We find these spaces and we turn them into venues. Um, this space actually used to be called Dover Court House, it's at 805 Dover Court. Uh, North of Bloor. Uh, now it's yep. called ESG Zero. It's been taken over by some people who are trying to turn it into a net zero environmentally sustainable space. Oh, um, cool. And this is the, probably the first concert that's going to happen in this new space this Friday. Um, album released by for Malocchio by Bonnie Trash on Hand Drawn Dracula Records. And you're going to hear it maybe for the first time on Canadian AF on Revolution Radio. This is Bonnie Trash. The song called Teeth.
Holy fuck, that was good. <laughs> you had better watch out. The tension in the city. You had better watch out now.
We still have a few things we got to talk to our pal Johnny Dovercourt about before we let him go. You're not free yet, my friend. You're not free yet, but we are going to do this before we get there. Some a classic oh, Maestro Fresh West. Yet. Canadian as fuck. This is Revolution Radio Canada. The symphony. Drop the needle. Is Let your backbone slide, let it slip, let the rhythm rip while my lyrics leave my lips. Ladies and gentlemen, kids of all ages, watch a brother growing on stages. Name rings a bell from state to state, province to province, and you can't escape his radius of margin. Cruising, barging, blowing away blockades, but still charging up the crowd while they introduce up. Says the name, they get looser, looser. Maestro, maestro with magnitude, that's longer than the lines of latitude. Going tropic to tropic, topic to topic. Yo, are you ready for the drop? So on and so on. So on, so on. I ain't passive. I lamp with the dope, stay massive. Down with Scarborough, down with the jungle. Down with Michigan, me, down with Rumble. Down with self defense from Flemmo. This was a hit before it was a demo. Went to the studio with Pete and Anthony to lay down the beat. And now it's just too damn sweet. I'm the voice of the stories walking down the street. Jack's the venom in MCs at the late dose of heroin crippling 
suckers be staggering. I smoke the piece. D does the dagger and on the technique. Feel time I hock it. Are you ready for the drop? Spread like syndromes. T.O. mixed it, New York Preston. All these death hits, you can't test this. Rhyme still buckets, clock enough ducking. Yo, 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 hold up, hold up. Now, nah, fuck it. One hour flight and I'm capping. Like Jason, I'm a take Manhattan. Each ceremony, I never seminar. On Lamar, I'm hard, you wanna get scarred. I run a dead pool, never rap a dread this. Boys be praying that they name me on the dead list. All the red list, the bloodshed best. Fist to fist on the mic, you left headless. Headless broke into the ball, took a pone. Didn't find Jack, so they all went home. My ball could never be open, I locked it. Punch me, scope it, I'm hoping to pop it. 89 is mine, you can't stop it. Are you ready for the drop? Yeah. Drop it. Drop it. Fuck, it's so good. It's amazing. Sampling old good old Haywire. I fucking uh, awesome. Haywire Maestro, from PEI. Maestro was just a shit, eh? Like he Maestro really was. was the shit. He still is, but he still is. Awesome. Still is. My uh, my buddy Solo uh does a lot of work with him and uh, uh does a lot of work with him and a, and a few other people. Um um that was a couple of years ago he just he he dropped a he did a he did a con he did a live concert and um uh my buddy lee was there and, and filmed the whole thing and fucking that's why i put it on i was like i was like uh, i gotta put maestro on because i saw yeah, him he's, play he's so oh, nice. he's like the nicest chillest dude he's the so nicest guy in the world <laughs> What's that? So, you, so you met him johnny yeah i interviewed him and um and we hung out a bit and yeah he's great he's just so and then he started to you know he was suggesting people he wanted me to book he's just really like super unpretentious like yeah. really really just like a right it's just really like humble it's yeah really like yeah. i'm like dude you're a fucking legend like and it's kind of funny because he you know he he'll do the, he did a live stream for us where he was like sitting in a throne but it was like it was it had this kind of arch kind of like he's like that's i know this awesome. is ridiculous like, that's awesome. but but it was kind of like you know he was like yeah i know i'm big deal but i'm also really humble about it at the same time it's this nice kind of like he doesn't he's not a humble brag he's just like what a, yeah what a pro- he's a proper like, dude man he really is yeah he's, he's like dude. i know i'm a legend but i'm not gonna like lord it over you yeah, yeah. he's a fuck he's a fucking maritimer now yeah, and he's hosting that Sandcastle uh, show. Yeah, he is. You see that? Yeah, he lives out. He lives out in uh, in Saint John. He does. Saint John. Saint John. John. NB. Yeah, Derek, you were just out there for a tattoo conference, weren't you? Um, uh, no, I was in Saint John's uh, Newfoundland. Different. Yeah, oh, different. yeah, Saint John. Different Saint John. Slight, different, slightly different. Slightly different. Saint John. So tad of a. Tad of a different accent as well. Bit of a different scene, Jim. Okay, not as much. Yeah, where, where, where Maestro lives, it's not as much as ridicule. Nice, for sure. Definitely. 
fucking oh, <laughs> I love Maestro. I love my. I honestly like. No, you have to. I'm a Scarborough. Can I, kid, can I right? read this? Can I, think, I read this? I think a bunch of us are Scarborough kids, right? Can I read okay. this thing? Let me read this thing. Do you want me to read it? Do you want me to read it for you, Derek? Or no, you I want to fucking read it. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't. I Whoa. want my time on air. Whoa. Okay, you go right ahead, my friend. Do you want me to read the third word for you? Well, fuck <laughs> your face. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. I said I wouldn't say that anymore. Oh, wait. You no, said I said I wouldn't said, say well, I wouldn't say it about me. Shame I didn't on say you. I wouldn't say it about you. All right. Go um, ahead. So this you, is do your thing. This, it's great. It's good. I've read it. It's awesome. Shut up and let me do it. No, just do it. God damn. <laughs> just do it. I will fight you. Um, You'll win. I know. Uh, This is a quote from uh, Justin Smallbridge, uh, and he wrote this in Toronto Life in 1990. Uh, And this is—he was at the show that I was at. Um, He says, "A sparse utilitarian banquet hall in Rexdale is thumping with a beat loud enough to make the windows throb, as it is as though the room is hyperventilating." And I can fucking tell you that, like, it was literally, like, the two DJs that were on before Maestro, like, sat and played and played and played and played and played, like, maybe, like, an hour or so. And, like, the whole room was basically, it was like a fucking Tool concert, right? Like, this is what was going on. And it was amazing. Just everybody, like, a fucking slinky. I don't know if Johnny's, <laughs> I don't know if Johnny's doing it because he's frozen on my screen. But I think you know, he's whatever. just sitting in wonder. What is this fucking guy? I'm freestyling it. But yeah, no, like that was it. Like um, that was the first time I saw Maestro. Um, again, it is one of those instances where me being like a metal rock kid, this wasn't my scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I had gotten like very, very, like recently in that area, I had gotten introduced to um, uh, NWA uh, through friends of mine. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> like every white kid from the suburbs did. Yeah. Right. Like, Holy but shit. I was already, I was already into rap. I was already into rap. Like I was, I was into Big Daddy Kane. I was into. Um, so you were in, like, you were into the East Coast, so you were yeah, into like, New York, like basically. Ice yeah. T, like fucking all that shit, yeah. right? LL and then Cool J and Cool Mo D and all that. But stuff. But then there was cool a Mo dude. D. But then there was a dude in my fucking city that was doing it, and I yeah. was like, "What the fuck?" And he yeah. didn't he didn't sing about he didn't sing about gangbanging. He didn't sing about uh, like he didn't sing about uh, like slang and dope. He didn't sing about any of that shit. Right. Like it was it was just very much about him. It was very clean. It was very like he said, fuck a couple of times. But, you know, we'll let him have it. Um, But like it was it was it was different. But this was a guy from like down the street from me. Yeah. And exactly. And like like when you want to hear conducting things and he's dropped. He's talked about attracting more brothers in Kennedy Station. And yeah. being from Birchmount, just north of Glendower, and the brother that that's, went to Lamb. That's my neighborhood, literally. That's my neighborhood. Like, yeah. Nobody yeah. talks about Dower. Yeah. Nobody talks yeah. about Glendower. I no, grew up I on Glendower. Like, I literally grew up, grew up on Glendower, yeah. I'm going to hit my microphone. And then, I like, think later on. I think later on, I ever heard someone say they were from Toronto. He's no. like, 
Well, he always yeah. He kept doing that too. Like uh, later on, the later on the nineties, stick to your vision. He had the like Flemington, Don Mills, and Eglinton. Right? Yeah, yeah. So wow, it rhymes. (laughs) It's really funny. My whole life has been moving around places that Maestro has mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) i think the i think the one place that i lived that he didn't mention was cataraki (laughs) cataraki park i don't think he Uh, he mentioned like warden and st Clair at all not yet not yet not yet but if he's listening he should because (laughs) they need they need some repping I, oh, I know we got to get going because it's no 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 actually i'm what i'm saying is i'd love to have johnny dovercourt and maestro on the same program oh I'm, wow that i be might be able to get it happen i might be able to get it to happen oh, okay if i'm gonna can, talk awesome. i'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk to i'm gonna talk to my buddy solo and see what see i'm what gonna I, talk yeah. to my people and they're gonna talk to your people and, and my people are gonna talk to my people and we're gonna call you on the phone okay we're gonna, okay. We're gonna meet over coffee we do, we do we do actually have to keep dimitri keep going go. before that dimitri has to talk about truths and rights this is oh, a oh yeah band in in johnny's in Johnny's book. Well, goddamn, they they only lasted for six years, but they but they were cons- they have been called uh, the greatest reggae band ever to come out of Toronto, um, and uh, like they played they played uh, like a lot of places like the Edge, Pirates Cove, El Macombo, Palais Royale, and uh, they opened for the English Beat at the concert hall. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, kind of no big deal or anything. Yeah, but uh, English, but, uh, English beat Beth. But anyway, so the song you heard, which was called uh, "Metro's Number One Problem," deals with racial violence, police brutality. That was obvious from the lyrics of the song. Um, one thing, so they they did bring, so they were a lot. So the band was pretty much made up of mostly immigrants, you know, from from the Caribbean. So they added, so the, they were a reggae band, but they, but through their, through the influence of the city around them, they were adding elements of jazz and R&B and psychedelic rock, you know, which, and you heard a lot of that in Metro's number one problem. One thing that I've, and the thing is like, what I find great is that their long lost album, uh, Time for Us to Unite is available on streaming because mm-hmm. because somebody found it somebody somebody found it uh the uncover in a in um lying dormant in a rural property outside Toronto all these two inch <laughs> tapes you know and like like That's recorded great. at Kensington Sound Studio like more than 40 years ago so yeah like somebody found it and like and now we can all hear it now so thank God, Gary, <laughs> Gary Gary Lowe was in that band, right? If I'm not mistaken, Johnny. Yeah, Brown? Gary Lowe was, and I think the original lineup. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know nothing. No, yeah, <laughs> Gary Lowe. Gary Lowe from Big Sugar, of course you. Do. Right. Come yeah, on. no, I know who Gary Lowe is, but I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, oh, well, there you go. Just so you know, Derek, from time to time, I'm smart too. I'm just kidding. I know. I'm That's taking, some bullshit. I'm taking. I'm taking <laughs> Oh wow! Okay. You wick. No, it's you okay. wick. You wicked that shit. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. No, I'll give it to you. Oh no, I'll give it. I'm so, just, I'm, just, I'm just, rising. Yeah. I'm. Is Gary Lowe? 
Is Gary Lowe also known as Moja? No, they're two different guys. They're two different guys? Okay. That I I actually do know. Moja was, uh, uh, I think he was a guitarist and songwriter, Johnny, for... Yeah, he's the principal guy. um, In the book, it it talks, in the True Stories chapter, uh, Moja talks about, I interviewed Moja, and he talks about starting the band with Gary Lowe. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what book? So, this book. So, Johnny, I was wondering if you could do us a favor. If you could. Do us a favor. Caramel. Take your shirt off. (laughs) Derek. (laughs) What? Stop. (laughs) Don't make me mute you, okay? (laughs) Like, don't make me do it. Go ahead. Talk. Go ahead. Talk. Talk. Say something, Derek. Go ahead. He won't because he knows I'm mute. <laughs> so, Johnny, could you yeah. uh, talk to us about uh, the other projects that you've got going on as far as everything goes? Because you've got some really cool stuff going on, my friend. So, aside from the book, you've been a, a concert promoter for the better part of almost 20 years. Like, yeah, let's, let's maybe talk about that years. a little bit. Yeah, let's talk like, about I, that. I feel like I have talked about everything a little bit, but um, I mean, I'm People in the music scene in Toronto know me for uh, starting Wavelength or being the uh, sort of person behind Wavelength. And so Wavelength is a nonprofit. We started as an artist-run collective, um, actually uh, founded in late 1999. We started our concert series in early 2000. It's been going for 22 years now, which is fucking crazy. Um, we've done over 800 shows. Um, oh, that's amazing. That's for a long time, um, we started. I started at a club called Ted's Wrecking Yard, which is closed now. For a yeah, long time, we were at Ted's. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, people of a certain age know Wavelength of being Sunday nights at CQDs. Um and then uh, we did that for 10 years in total for Sunday nights, Sunday night shows, and then we transitioned into a monthly Wavelength. Wavelength is still basically monthly. Like the show we're doing this Friday with Funny Trash is our, our is our Halloween show. It's our October monthly show. Um, we do artist talks. We do um, research projects. This um, project I'm doing with UT called Reimagining Music Venues is through Wavelength, but it's really sort of a Johnny solo project. You know, kind of like how Kiss had solo albums. Like um, this is sort of like me going out on my own and doing this thing. Um, Sort so of if you the umbrella, if, like if I can, branded, but kind of my own thing. If I can equate um, that to something, my friend, would you equate it to Paul, Gene, or Ace, Ace, or would you say that you are? Would you say that you are Peter? You're Peter Chris. That was a quick Peter, answer. Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Peter Chris. I'm tired. <laughs> I've been up since six o'clock this morning. I like him. I Peter like Chris. Him. Fuck you, Derek. Uh, Peter, Chris, Beth. I'll, uh, would I'll you mute say myself. <laughs> well, I'm always in favor of being the cat. Good um, for you. Nice. Um, but I don't know. Um, aren't like uh, Peter? Peter Chris is the only like number. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's the only one we can kind of confirm isn't the Johnny, cool asshole. Johnny, so, <laughs> I Johnny, I love you, but <laughs> Derek is such, no, you don't understand. So 
Derek Derek messed up the, ro- the word. Derek messed up the word debut. So so over he said and deb- over and over he said, and he said debut. When, when like and I would shows. say debut <laughs> on this debut album. Can- 10 count them 10 <laughs> shows i fucking no it's so good no but it's so good like literally oh, johnny you lambasted me and i fucking deserved it oh. i really did peter oh. Chris oh. solo album <laughs> beth is the tune i'm talking about mm. <laughs> hey, oh, oh crap i would never lambaste you jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> i just like the sound of words i was like <laughs> oh man that was so good <laughs> I don't even know what we were talking about now. I just bet this like, section of the show like is not going to be archived. No, no, oh, no. Definitely this, this section of the show is definitely going to be on air for sure. <laughs> definitely going to be on air. Yeah. So. I'm okay. laughing like my grandpa. Oh, Derek, shit. shut up, okay? <laughs> so. I Johnny, I am, Johnny, I shut the fuck up, Derek. So, okay, so Johnny, I've got one question left for you, but can you do me a favor, Derek, so that Johnny will actually come back as a guest sometime and be, instead of being like these fucking. I'll mute myself. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, thank you. So, <laughs> so, Johnny, I just want you to, if you could. We really want everybody out there to get a copy of this book because yeah. no joke, be great. it's, it's fucking it's for free. No, but but no, honestly, no, no free. Absolutely, spend your money. I happily no, spend pay money. money. Spend so, money. Yeah, 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 spend money, folks. Like seriously, this book is fucking amazing. So at oh, the end of it, you. I haven't unfortunately gotten to the ending, Johnny. So what I'm wondering is if you could do me a favor and sum up what your project your wonderful book is all about without spoiler alerts do you think you could possibly do that well the end is kind of like empire strikes back where the Tron music scene gets its hand cut off um come on guys that was worth a joke that was amazing. <laughs> that's why that's why i literally smiled oh, when you said it. i thought you said head good. cut off i thought you i'm said muted off, I'm, like, I'm, I'm muted and i'm not allowed to <laughs> talk and- Derek is it's like, uh, well, <laughs> are you? <laughs> you're actually pulling up your shirt. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this, I mean, you what know, my about? father. Where does it end? It ends in 2001. It ends with the start of the internet, and it's really about okay. sort of life before the internet. It's basically about like the analog, the analog music scene. In some ways, is one thing that's about. So um, if you love broken social scene and you love Drake and you love the tragically hip and you love like modern always or modern Canadian music, but you want to know kind of how it all started, like before you could just dial up any song on the, on the jukebox of the internet, it's sort of about how things started here, here and what it was like for bands and artists before I mean, it's like, you know, things are fucking hard now with the affordability and, and housing and, yeah. you know, like cost living is terrible. Yeah. But at least, you know, we have it really easy in some ways. Like, it's so easy to find music now. 
we all had to work really hard. If you were into weird music, you had to work really hard back then. You had to That's true. read That's magazines true. and buy records and really, really, like, and it kind of gave things a bit more of a gravitas. Like, you were, if you, if you learned about a band like Fifth Column and you went and bought all their records, you were really, really fucking into it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, so that hopefully gives people, you know, who didn't have that history or weren't around for it, like a sense that you were there. But one of the nicest things anyone said about the book to me is that it, that it made them feel like they were part of the scenes that they missed. And like, that's, and that's, oh, that's really, ni- that's that's really like nice. That's like what I really, and like, that's like, really nice. When someone else said it was like a time machine, like I want, I, like I really dove deep into kind of like living in this, world of the past <laughs> like yeah. um and i don't it's not about nostalgia like it's it's definitely not about nostalgia it's about um like where you know like history is instructive like the future is um is all about like the past is laid out for where yeah. we are now and um like, the, like where we're going only makes sense if we know where we've been so um that's why I started with talking about the vanishing venues crisis because I wanted it to be relevant to what was happening now. Yeah, I, I wanted the book yes. to be about not just about hey, remember when we used to watch them Queen Street and you could see yeah. the show? Like, I didn't want it to be like a uh, that just a trip down memory lane. It's sort of like no, this is all relevant to what's happening now and um, everything that's happened before will happen again. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but and that's like a, that, yeah. that's what that's what this book is about. No, that's probably a sad reality as far as it goes. Is that this this isn't the first time that this has happened? It's happened in many major cities across the world. So, but you know, um, but yeah, Dimitri. But one thing that um I think that you do very well in the book is that you you actively chose to focus on bands that don't get a lot of love. You know, like uh, that it's kind of shameful, but a lot of these bands have been forgotten about. Yeah. You know? You know? And so now, exactly. and the thing, is, and the thing you, and I, and I, well, I'm going to talk again about your punk chapter is that, um, you talk about how the London punk scene is hugely celebrated. The New York punk scene is hugely celebrated. Mm-hmm. And you say that ours our Toronto's punk scene even though we don't really have a like an a, an album that emble, that's emblematic of it, was just was just as vital mm-hmm. as the New York and London punk scenes, you know. And the thing is, we don't really celebrate our own punk scene that much, you know. Like, sure, Vile Tones had like some Vile Tones had their names graffitied all over the city, you know, by design, <laughs> you know. But mm-hmm. but uh, but. Uh, but I remember, I remember seeing the name Vile Tones all over. Yeah, me too. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, we don't, and but we don't really celebrate our own. We don't really celebrate them like to the same extent as Sex Pistols or the Ramones. Or, but I think know? a lot of Canadians we don't beat our chests like that either, though. Yeah, so I think that's part of it. But yeah, I think Johnny, like you know, I, I I totally agree with Dimitri. It's unfortunate that we we don't celebrate our our history, uh, our history yeah. like that. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the brilliant things about this book. It's it's just it's it wonderfully celebrates that. So if we, I, if, I really wanted to really kind of like retrieve some people from kind of like the dustbin of history, like like a man like Blake Camp, who were super important to me, and yeah. a lot of other people in the early '90s. And 
to me, they're like Canada's, Canada's equivalent of a band like Slint, who I fucking love. I love Slint, but Slint, maybe because they're American, maybe because they're just part of a bigger market, are like, you know, get a documentary and they get a box set and they get t-shirts and they get reunion tours and they get all this stuff to kind of like canonize them. Like, can't, you can't even find their records, you know? Yeah. Like, like yeah. It, it, it seems like there is this kind of just historical injustice. Um, and there was a lot of those. And the, what, the, I wanted to kind of do what I could to kind of, you know, um, address, redress those historical injustices, yeah. injustices with the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, honestly, Johnny, so we really seriously can't thank you enough for being a part of this show tonight. Like, seriously, man. The fact that you've been here with us, hanging out, telling great fucking stories, playing amazing music, and talking about this project that both Dimitri and I absolutely fucking adore. Um, the, the, honestly, you. man, the, the the fact that you're here tonight, we just we we can't thank you enough. That's all. That's all I have to say. So, and there's a podcast too. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah. podcast. What? There's what also is the it? Internet of the Week podcast, which I forget to mention. And then there's Map. Um, so say that's say the, the name. That's the last. Say the name of it again. Say the, the name of it again. If you look up any night of the week in in Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, there's also the Walking Tour adaptation of the book. Ooh. Oh shit! Ooh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wait, 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 wait. I unmuted myself for this. There's a fucking walking tour. Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah. But it's virtual. It's a podcast. I was supposed oh, to do it. No, 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 no. Fuck you in person for the author's festival, but I got COVID. So, oh, bullshit. Me and Craig were talking about this. We still haven't got a new date, but as soon as uh, and, we do, yeah. you guys will, will be on and the list. Craig hasn't mentioned this to us. Um, <laughs> surprise. Well, that's fucking cool. Wow. I would, I would, wow. I would love. I would, I would totally. I would die for a walking tour of that. Like an actual. Oh, like, no, I no, I would. I would you would. You would have to. You would have to drag me with a rope. Um. You would okay, do the weekend. You, you would do the weekend right. at Bernie's walk. So here's what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say thank you to our dear friend Johnny. We're not gonna freak him out thank anymore you, than he already has. Honestly, Johnny, brother, thank you so much for being here. We greatly, greatly. You are a wealth of so. and font of knowledge. So oh. here's the sitch. For me, I'm gonna sign out with a tune tonight. I was telling Johnny, it, it has a good baseline. It's got a decent baseline. I've actually changed up the original tune I was going to do. I was originally, uh, originally going to play a band from a wonderful band from Ottawa called Eight Seconds, a track called Kiss You When It's Dangerous. Of course, right? of course. Right. From Dimitri, oh, what's the name of the Dimitri, Dimitri, what's the name of the album? Alcantar. Alcantar. Yeah, it's such wow. a good song. Yeah. So, but I've actually decided to, I've, I've, Dimitri, Derek, stop. I've actually decided Johnny's to. singing, I'm dancing. That's the way this fucking works. No, no, is, all Johnny, right? Johnny can sing all he wants to. It's all good. Oh, but so, I'm the asshole. All right, I get it. No, no, it's I, I didn't. You I'll said mute it myself. Not, you said it, not me. Stop um, fighting you two. 
<laughs> Johnny, they made me come did. down there. <clears throat> Johnny, we actually played in a band together. We I never knew the, the yeah, name yeah. of that artist. So you blew on like eight seconds? At yeah, eight from seconds. El- from Ottawa, Ottawa. Yeah. One yeah, second Ottawa. longer than that uh, American hardcore band? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, who, uh, what year were they around? Seven seconds or like an 80s like skate punk band? <laughs> I just something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Dude, you're you're a music nerd. I fucking love it. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm actually going to do Maybe you should have him on off. the music nerds. Aren't isn't that what we all are? That's yeah, that would be fucking great. I'm just saying. Okay, so we do have to sign off. So here's it is late. Switch. It's basically last call for a Monday. That's true. It is that's that's true. So um, what I wanted to do was my last track. So you all have played your tunes, right? You all have had your fun and all that stuff. So I wanted to have my fun for the I last haven't track. Had any night. fun? And yeah, apparently, Derek. So <laughs> with my last tune of the night, I wanted to point to a concert that, for me, as far as Canadian wonderfulness goes. Uh, was the Presto Tour by Rush. Uh, it was. It ran from 19, uh, December 1989, I believe, to January of 1991. The tour that I saw, uh, it was, no, I'm not playing anything oh. from 2112. I'm not even playing Rush, to be honest with you. So what I am going to do for you, though, is to Mute. play a band that I absolutely fell in love with because they happened to be playing at Maple Leaf Gardens, opening for Rush on the Presto Tour in the early 90s. Their name is called Chalk Circle. So for me, Chris Tate, Chris Tate for me and company are absolutely one of my all-time favorite Canadian bands. Not I not love like, Chalk Circle, too. Not alternative bands, not Canadian, like, uh, like literally one of my all-time favorite, like, you give me my top 20 chalk circle is going to be in there along with Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and you know a bunch of other stuff so we are going to sign off tonight Johnny thank you so much again guys can we give our, our guests a round of applause please like seriously Derek thank you so much honestly Johnny brother thank you so much for being here with us we greatly appreciate it uh, the book is called uh, it is right here and it is any night of the week a DIY history of Toronto music 1957 to 2001 coach house books gives you this beautiful a, piece of literature a fine publisher it, i it, love it's a fine it's a fine publisher and it's an even finer book i gotta tell mm-hmm. you so honestly it's written in big print so you can read it because you're old as shit oh for god's sakes let's just start the freaking song <laughs> so derek stops talking already <laughs> from the mending wall chalk circle will take us out send us home Good night and Johnny, God bless. Johnny, thank you so much again, my friend. We really greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Chalk Circle takes us home. This is Revolution Radio Canada. Canadian as fuck, episode number 34. <laughs>